Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast and the series, Get Off Your Donkey. In week two, our big idea is getting off your donkey means you actually have to get off the donkey. We're going to spend some time unpacking the story of the Good Samaritan found in Luke chapter 10. Enjoy and thanks for listening. have a Bible or a smart device, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to place ourselves into this story now. So Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 30. You'll also see these words appear on the screen. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to the city of Jericho. And robbers came out after him. And the idea of the language here is that he is encompassed by robbers. It's not just one or two. There are multiple robbers here. This is an ambush. It's not a good scene. And here's what it says happens next. They actually took his clothes off. Which that seems like a strange thing for Jesus to say. But as he was sharing this story with everybody in the crowd, it made complete sense to them. Because in this culture and in this day, clothes were a great commodity. They were worth a lot. And so the robbers took his clothes, no doubt, to sell it. Then it says they beat him. Then they went away, leaving him almost dead. Verse 31 says, a religious leader was walking down that road and saw the man, but he went by on the other side. In the same way, a man from the family group of Levi, he's basically a temple assistant who probably would have worked for that religious leader or that priest. So the Levi, he's walking down that road, and when he saw the man who was hurt, he came near to him, but kept on going on the other side of the road. I want to remind you about what we discovered last week, and that is Jesus is sharing a parable here. And a parable is something cast alongside something else. And the parables that Jesus shared were stories cast alongside truth. It's kind of a visual illustration. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and Jesus shared this parable. He shared this story as a result of a conversation he was he was having with somebody in front of him. And they asked Jesus a question. They said, hey, Jesus, who's my neighbor? I mean, who is that? And what do I do for that neighbor? What does that mean for me? So Jesus thought about that, and then he responded with this particular story, this parable, this truth cast alongside something here. What's also interesting about this story is that the religious people in this event churchy people, the church attenders, didn't turn out looking so good. Those who should have, didn't. And those who knew better, didn't act on what they actually knew. And honestly, that just begins to leave a very bad taste in your mouth. So let's think about these different religious individuals who began to walk by this man who is broken and bleeding and dying on the side of the road. The first person to walk by was the priest. And this was a person who would have had vast knowledge of Scripture. I mean, he just knew it from front to back. 
He knew what God expected of him. He knew what God wanted for him. But yet somehow, even with all of that knowledge and all that information, he sees the individual that is hurt. And we understand that because that's what Jesus said. The priest saw him, but then he went by on the other side of the road. Hope is not lost, though, because there's another religious person coming, and certainly they'll do something, right? I mean, they're going to help. They'll pick him up. They'll treat the wounds. They'll do something. But the Levi walks by, and that's basically a temple assistant. And here's what we know about the Levi's is that they had vast knowledge of right and wrong. They assisted the priests. And what we discover based on what verse 32 tells us is that the temple assistant, he came near. So perhaps he got a little bit closer to the person who was in need. But he did the same thing as the priest. He walked by on the other side of the road. What else is interesting here is that it's very likely they were returning from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem was the center of all spirituality. It's not out of the picture that they were returning from church. And after having heard all kinds of great things about what God expects and what God wants and what we should do and what we shouldn't do in their religious experience, they return home from church and pass this individual on the road and they decide to do nothing about it at all. Why didn't they help? Well, perhaps they were fearful of thugs. Like it happened to that guy, so we better keep moving because the same thing is going to happen to us and we just don't want that kind of a problem today. It's likely they were thinking about their own religious customs and rules. And because these were intelligent, trained religious people, they would have known, if I touch the individual who is broken and bleeding on the side of the road, I myself will be spiritually unclean, and I will be unfit for worship. And how can I as a priest... How can I as a temple assistant be unfit for worship? This would be a really bad thing for me. And so I'm just going to keep on going. Actually, we don't know why they pass by on the other side of the road because Jesus doesn't say that. We just know what they did or what they didn't do. And it helps us to know this. Your actions matter. Your actions matter. And talk is relatively cheap, isn't it? I mean, we can say all that we want about what we will do or won't do, but it's our actions that really make it real. So talk is cheap, and your actions matter. Something happens in verse 33 that's pretty interesting. It says, then, after all of that. So the priest walks by, the temple assistant walks by, Nobody's going to help out this poor individual on the side of the road. And verse 33 tells us, Then a man from the country of Samaria came by. He went up to the man, and as he saw him, he had loving pity on him. He got down, and I want you to remember that phrase because it's kind of interesting. He got down and put oil and wine on the places where he was hurt and put cloth around them. Then the man from Samaria. All right, that's the second time that phrase is mentioned. The man from Samaria. It is a fascinating phrase. 
And I'm not going to tell you anything about that today. You've got to come next week to find out about the man from Samaria. Just know that he is absolutely amazing. And when Jesus would have shared this story, like everybody would have stepped back and said, I can't believe that it's the man from Samaria in comparison to the priest and the other religious temple assistant. The man from Samaria? You've got to be kidding me. He put this man on his own what church? Let's try it again. Then the man from Samaria put this man on his own donkey. Yeah, we're finally introduced to the donkey in the story. I mean, here he is. And we've been rolling out different characters, and the donkey is here, and this man gets off of his donkey. And then it says he took him to a place where people stay for the night and cared for him. He got down off of his donkey. Now, it's taken me a while to get here, but here's our big idea for today, and that is getting off your donkey means you actually have to get off your donkey. That's what it means. Now, not a scholarly statement, not a sophisticated statement, but it's true. Getting off your donkey requires you to actually get off the donkey. It means we can't just pass by anymore. It means we can't just go on the other side of the road and ignore the people who might be broken and bleeding and dying on the side of the road. I want you to think about this for a moment. This is a critical question for us to ask and answer. Who in your world right now needs you to stop for them? Who? Hopefully you've got a person kind of popping into your mind right now. We've got to ask this, and we've got to answer it. Who in your world right now needs you to specifically stop for them. Oh, maybe they're not physically on the side of the road, broken, bleeding, and dying, but perhaps figuratively they're laying there and you know what's happening in their world and perhaps God has placed you right where you are, in that office, in your workplace, in that school, in your community, in your home, so that you can meet that specific need. Who in your world needs you to stop specifically for them? Who? I recently walked through a time where I realized my own compassion level was kind of low and I would say even broken. You know, nothing bad, nothing crazy, but just not exactly what it should be. And by the way, that's a very dangerous place to be because when you sense that your compassion level is low and broken, you will never get off the donkey. You will allow everything to pass you by because life will be moving very quickly and it will be more convenient and easy to stay on the donkey. So when our compassion levels are low and we're just sensing that, that's a really dangerous place to be. So that was kind of happening inside of me and I knew it. I could see it in how I was responding to people and some of the things that I wasn't doing. And then I began to read this story in Luke chapter 10 in preparation for saying, hey, guess what, church? We got to get off the donkey. And so God just began to push on my own heart and say, hey, there's some things you got to adjust. There's some things that you need to fix in your own heart before you have a platform to say this to anybody else. I had a friend who doesn't come to Valley Point Church, but it's a friend who just required a lot of attention and they needed a lot of encouragement and 
coaching from me. And I think God specifically placed him in my life so that I could be that type of encouragement to him. But if you've ever walked through these kinds of situations before, you know it's very taxing, it's very draining, and it kind of just wipes you out. And you get to a point where you feel, I have nothing more to give. Right? There's just nothing more inside of me. I can't encourage anymore. As a matter of fact, I don't even want to do that anymore. And I think somebody else is going to have to pick this up because they'll be able to help you get further than what I can. I just simply don't have the time. Bad choice. I refuse to get off the donkey. And this whole series is about saying... We can't do that. We can't do that because that's not what Jesus would do. It's not what he expects from all of us. And so I just began to think about what keeps me on the donkey. Like if I find myself in that situation where my compassion levels are low and it feels a bit broken, how is it that I can get off the donkey and what keeps me there? And so I kind of started to put together this list and I want to share this list with you. Here's reason number one. It's really bad assumptions, just really bad assumptions, like somebody else will do it, someone else will come along. And I think the reality is, what if there is not a someone else? And what if that someone else is you? And again, you've been placed right where you are so that you can get off your donkey for the people around you. What if that someone else is you? Really bad assumptions keep us on the donkey. Here's reason number two. It's more comfortable to stay on the donkey. (laughs) It just is. And that seems kind of crazy to me because, you know, I don't ride donkeys. I don't hang out with donkeys. I don't even know if I've ever been around one. But they don't look like terribly comfortable animals to me. But you got to remember, in this culture, it sure beat walking 17 miles. And so it was very comfortable for them. And so as we think about what keeps us there instead of getting in the weeds, maybe sacrificing our reputation and our time and maybe even our resources to help people who are broken and bleeding and dying on the side of the road, you know what, it's just a lot more comfortable. It's a lot more convenient just to stay on the donkey. And again, somebody else will deal with this. Reason number three is fear. And I think that fear is driven by how long am I going to get stuck helping this individual out? Right? We love the short term, the one-off kinds of things because that's quick and we feel good about it and we're satisfied. But what about the really long-term investment in people who are struggling where we got to get in the weeds with them and we have to give up a lot of time? I think we fear sometimes that it's just going to be too much involvement. So let me ask again, who in your world needs you to stop for them? Who? I want to ask a couple more questions, and then I've got some takeaways for us. So let's think about this. Following Jesus means being captured by what captures him. And if we say that we follow Jesus, then our hearts should be captured by what captures him. And we should be moved with what moves Jesus. And we should cry over what Jesus cries over. And we should be sent into action by what sends him into action. 
If we say that we follow Jesus, we better be captured by what captures his heart. Are you? Here's the other question. Are we doing what Jesus commanded, or are we just really good at gathering information? Let's just think about that for a minute. Because sometimes in a church culture and in a church setting, we get really good about this. So are we really good about following the commands of Jesus, or do we prefer just to gather information and facts and stats in our head and be really satisfied with that? Nothing wrong with information about God. We should all be chasing that. But if it causes us to be too comfortable and to settle and to sit, that's not a good thing. I want you to hear this, all right? So lean in one last time, because I think this is really important. The longer we walk with Jesus, the more comfortable we get with accumulating information. And the more comfortable we get with accumulating information, the more comfortable we get with what we know. And the more comfortable we get with what we know, we sit and assume that's okay. It's not okay. It's not We're given all of these wonderful things so that we can follow Jesus onto the mission field, wherever that is for us, and act. By the way, thinking about getting off your donkey involves seeing and feeling and doing. When you think about the priest and you think about the temple assistant, they both saw. That's recorded for us right there. They observed what was happening but yet somehow there was no emotion in them. It didn't invoke some type of response other than they needed to keep going. When we truly get off the donkey, we see a need, but we do more than that. There's emotion that is invoked inside of us that causes us to then act. So getting off the donkey is about seeing and then feeling and then doing. And so what I want to do right now is I want to get really practical and talk about how we can prepare ourselves to get off the donkey because if we don't do that, we will sit because that's just easier and it's more convenient for us. So let's just strategize a little bit and let's think about how we can get off the donkey. And I want to give you practical ways that you can do that even before you leave this room. All right, so let's think about this. Takeaway number one. Time with God equals a captured heart. Time with God equals a captured heart. Regular time with God in his word, investigating this and reading this and pushing through, even when it doesn't make a lot of sense. This is what gives us a soft, compassionate heart. It's time with God. And when we spend more time with him, it will equal a compassionate heart. This is why. I consistently say, spend time in Scripture. Spend time in Scripture. Spend time in Scripture. Outside of what you experience here on a Sunday morning, Monday through Saturday, spend time in Scripture. Read, dig, write, circle, memorize. Do everything you can because time with God equals a soft and a compassionate heart. It equals a captured heart. And when it's captured... Guess what we're going to have no problem doing? Getting off the donkey. So time with God equals a captured heart. Secondly, the stop list. Start it. 
All right, we talked about this last week, and I said maybe the greatest thing you can do is to begin a stop list, all the different things that you're going to stop doing so that you can create some margin and space in your life to be prepared and ready when your moment comes to see, to feel, and then to do. So have you started that stop list? And I would say give yourself permission to say no to somebody. I've been doing that a little bit. It feels really good. I mean, it's just amazing. No, I can't do it. No, I can't be there. And it just kind of frees yourself, and it gives you that margin, not for you, but for seeing and feeling and doing. So time with God equals a captured heart. That's takeaway number one. By the way, there is a reading program in your program today, and it's a Monday through Friday reading list. I'd encourage you to take that out, circle it, cut it out, memorize it, put it up somewhere and read through the different sections of Scripture there because they are other parables, other stories that Jesus shared. And so you'll find a lot of similarities to what Jesus is sharing here. And again, that'll give you that captured heart. And then secondly, that stop list, start saying no. And then thirdly, acquire information about God while moving with God. See, getting information about God is a good thing But let's acquire that information while we move with God. Now, I want to share some ways that you'll be able to do that before you leave this room. Because talk is cheap, right? And we can talk all day long about getting off the donkey and feel good and motivated to do that. But if we don't really take that step, if we don't get off the donkey like the Samaritan did then this really doesn't make a difference. And we want this to be more than just talk. We want it to be something that invokes emotion so that we do. So let me share some ways with you that you can get off your donkey even before you leave today. We have a project in the lobby. And you'll see this as you leave on a table. There's going to be three different cards there, really big cards. First hour, sign their name to these cards so there's not a lot of space for you. So... Do the best you can with the space that's there. But I want to encourage you to sign these cards as a way to say to some people, we're thinking about you, we're praying for you, and we care about you. And let me tell you the different people that we're going to pray for in a moment. And as I close, I'm just going to ask God to really work in their lives and in the lives of their families. And as I pray, I want you to pray with me. Pray with me for these individuals. And then feel really confident and good about going out there and signing those cards, knowing that we're going to deliver those cards to these families and these individuals. It's going to make a huge difference. might seem like a small thing, but it's not going to be small for them. So let me tell you who I'm going to pray for. I want you to pray with me about this. Anthony Easter. He's a nine-year-old boy. And uh, Anthony has adrenal leukodystrophy. It's a neurodegenerative disorder. In just a short amount of time, he is legally blind now, has virtually lost all of his hearing. And uh, this is a nine-year-old boy. And so we're going we're gonna to pray for Anthony and his family and just ask God to work there. It's a tough thing. We're also going to pray for Brielle Barber. Brielle is a four-year-old little girl.
Her dad teaches in this school right here. And she has cancer. And it's very serious. So we're just going to lift up Brielle and her family and ask God to work there. We're going to pray for Tommy Bianco. Tommy's a 10-year-old boy. He's in fifth grade. He's on a football team. And his coach attends this church. And he called me and said, hey, I just want to let you know, Tommy, he has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he just found out he's really devastated. His family's really hurt. And uh, what can Valley Point maybe do for him? And I said, well, if anything, uh, we're going to pray for him. Anthony, Brielle, and Tommy, they need a faith community somewhere uh, getting off their donkey and saying, okay, we're going to pray. So as I wrap things up here, we're going to pray for them. We're going to ask God to work. And I want you to know, these families do not attend Valley Point Church, but they're our neighbors. Because our neighbors, anybody in need, and these families have tremendous needs beyond what anybody can understand. And so we're going to lift them up. We're going to pray for them. And then I encourage you to go out there and sign that card. We're going to deliver that. And I think that's going to do wonders for these families. Secondly, here's another thing that you can do. You can walk out and you can go to the Just For You table and you can sign up to pick up trash this Friday. All right? So I signed our church up. I love doing this. I put us on the hook for this, and I know it's all on me, but I signed us up to pick up trash at the Garnet Valley football game this Friday. And so we need a group of people to come, and you can come to the game and enjoy it and hang out afterwards and help us clean up, or you can just come when the game ends, and we pick up trash. That's just our way of serving the school that's right here. And so we want to do a great job of that this week. You can come on Friday and we'll have a great time. We normally have a good group that comes out for that. And within 20 minutes, we have that place looking better than ever. And if you can't come and pick up trash, here's how you can get off your donkey. You can go to the game, eat a bunch of food, and throw all the wrappers on the ground for us, all right? So I'm giving you permission to do that, too. Like, if, if that's just, like, your thing, then you can do that, and then we'll have a team that'll pick it all up. But that's going to happen this Friday. And if you want to be involved in that, you can go out to Just For You and there's a sign-up sheet, and we're going to have a great time on Friday night. Here's the third way you can start thinking about getting off your donkey, and that is our next Love Day is a week from today, and in your program, you've got a Love Day sheet. I'd encourage you to take that out right now because what we're doing next Sunday is we're going to collect a bunch of different items. And so this is pretty simple. You just get to look at this list and grab a couple of things. You don't have to grab everything. A couple of things will be fine, and you can bring that with you and leave it here. And then we take care of the rest. But I want you to know that everything you bring, we're going to give it away. And we have two different targets for this collection day. We're working with Villa Ascension in the Dominican Republic. And we have a team that's going to go there in October. And one of the things that they do there is they're teaching the different people that live in the village English. That's a tremendous tool for them to improve their lives. And they're hungry for that. And so we're going to collect different items that will help the school there teach the villagers English. And so you can look at that list and bring those things. There's also a bunch of stuff that we're going to collect for our college students that can't be here on Sunday, but yet they're a part of the Valley Point family. And we want to send 
packages to them to say, hey, your church family is praying for you. We're thinking about you. We love you and we're for you. And here's some stuff for you to enjoy. So that's the list of stuff that you can bring next week. And I think in light of what we're walking through and this particular series, we should kill this. All right? No excuses. We're talking about getting off the donkey. Talk is cheap. This is a way to make it happen. So we should absolutely kill this next Sunday. I also want to let you know, the other thing that's going to happen on Sunday is for Villa Ascension, we're going to take 10% of our offering that's given next Sunday, and that's going to go toward one of the projects that our team will be working on in this village. You need to know that just about every home in this particular village doesn't have a bathroom inside of it. All right, so you just think about all the bathrooms you have in your house. All right, we all have a lot. They don't have any bathrooms in their home. And so you can just imagine what that process is like. One of the projects that we're going to work on is creating a public bathroom for the village. And so next week, if you're not able to bring anything and you're not able to pick up trash, just know that your generosity is going to go toward helping that particular project. And so you can think about that as well. It's another way just to get off your donkey. And I would encourage you, if there's something else that God is just kind of tugging at your heart and saying, hey, you're the someone else for this individual. And maybe nobody else is going to come along and help them. And whatever that looks like, and and you know what that is, because God's probably putting that on your heart. I'd encourage you to go out and make it happen and see, feel, and allow all of that to move you to action. One of the things that we're constantly seeking to do here at Valley Point, I want you to hear this, is that we're constantly seeking to challenge each other to not stay on the donkey. Because we kind of default to that. It's just easier and it's much more comfortable. So we're always trying to challenge each other. Hey, it's time to get off the donkey. It is time to see, to feel, and to do, and to serve others without expecting anything in return. So let's get off the donkey this week. Because helping people is the best way to live. Father, we come before you, and we're just grateful for what you're walking us through right now. It's really an incredible story that you shared with that group so many years ago. It's a story that we sometimes read and think it sounds nice and somebody should be doing that stuff. But God, we're walking through this now because I'm convinced you want us to be that kind of faith community. God, we don't want to just gather, hang out, have a good time. That's valuable and important, but God, we also want to leave and see and feel and do. God, it's fun to go to church, but it's even better to be the church. And so I pray that you'd help all of us to do that this week. Help us to consider what it is that you want us to do and that we would do more than think and talk and we would actually act. So God, today I want to pray for some individuals that I've already mentioned. God, these are kids. And it's uh, really hard to understand 
about why these kinds of things would happen to them. And to see them suffer and hurt uh, doesn't seem fair. And so we, we do what we know we should do when we don't always have answers and the right words. And that we just kind of step into your presence and say, God, can you help? You see. Can you meet these individuals and their families and just encourage them in every way possible? So, God, I want to pray for Anthony. You're certainly aware of this degenerative disease that is just taking him. God, you know how that's affecting his family too. God, we just want to pray for his young life. That whatever he's thinking and feeling, that that you'd meet him and he'd have a strong sense that with everything that's happening to him that he can't even understand or explain that God loves him. Keep his family encouraged and surround them with those that love them and can support them too. Got to pray for Brielle. It's a four-year-old girl. And God, this situation is pretty serious. And that's just hard to imagine walking through this kind of situation. And so for this family, God, would you meet them? Would you be with them? And would they have an overwhelming sense that you see and you care? God, for Tommy, a 10-year-old boy is probably mad. He just wants to play football and live his life. And he's got this thing now and Help him, help him. Be with him, meet him. And for his family too, God, encourage them as they walk this path. And God, you know all of the medical needs and you see all of that. And so help each and every family as they walk through that and process that. Send the right people to them that know what to do. And God, I pray that you'd help them find answers. And even without answers, help them to find comfort. So God, we're thankful for today. God, I know I've got to get off my donkey, and I want that for everybody in this room. Because helping people is just, it's the best way to live. And it's fun and contagious. So God, as we walk out of here and sign cards and sign up for different things and take lists home and bring stuff back with us to give away, God, would you energize us and help us to do more than see and walk by. Help us to see, feel, and act. And we lift this all up now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School from 915 or 11 a.m.